I always enjoy the last resonance of the bell as it sort of dissolves into, into space. Um, well, welcome everybody. My name's Miles. Um, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak here at Yaz. And I appreciate everybody being here with all the different things everybody could be doing <laughs> uh, to be here and listen to us talk about suffering. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've been I've been thinking a lot about this, so it's been uh, it's been on my mind for the last week. And I live here at City Center. I live um, I've been here since I was 47, so it's about eight years. I uh, ordained, lay ordained with Paul Holler in Belfast and priest ordained in 2019 with him at uh, City Center. Had the good fortune to uh, do a few practice periods at Tassajara as well. So, and I would definitely encourage everybody, if you have an opportunity to come uh, do a guest practice or practice period, or it's, it's, it's a pretty exceptional uh, organization that, that this is uh, available. So, so I actually um, put together a, a document, which I think I'll share with everybody, if if that's okay. Um, it for me, it's sometimes easier to read it, uh, and while I'm also hearing it, and so if that's if that might be the same for everybody else. So, so the the uh, title of the talk is Suffering. Um, what is it all about? And can we make friends with it? And I, it seems to me that from the beginning of time when I knew about Buddhism, it was connected to suffering. Uh, and I thought in some ways that um, there was a way to eliminate it. Uh, and I guess I'm going to I'm going to speak from my own experience with an experience I had uh, along the lines of the Four Noble Truth and also compare Theravadan or Vipassana insight, as it's, as it's sometimes called in the area, um, and Zen. Uh, I, I uh, have Gil Fronsdale as a mentor and I have Paul Holler as a teacher, so I have kind of one foot in Zen and one foot in Theravadan. And um, and so I think that the, the Four Noble Truths, which as I understand it, are the first teachings. Um, I had the good fortune of learning both. And so it's helpful for me to understand them the, the different ways. So that's, that's what I want to speak to. And then also um, an experience I had in um, the befriending suffering. Um, so in Buddhism, the Four Noble Truths are the truths of the noble ones. Um, noble just because they're at peace and ease, not because they're kings and queens. Um, and as I was doing this, uh, I, I came across an aggregator called The Hustle. It's an online newsletter. It's really great. I recommend it. And it was just so interesting. You know, we're talking about suffering, that there was a report. It said 36% of Americans and, and I just saw that part, but including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers and young children feel serious loneliness. 
not surprisingly, loneliness appears to have increased substantially since the outbreak of the global pandemic, which I thought the other day was kind of a juxtaposition because we're not connected, but you know, I remember having a interview with, with somebody on software and I was in her bedroom. So in some ways we're disconnected, but in some way we're inviting people into our houses, which is, uh, it's just seems like uh, so interesting to me. Um, so, and I thought it was interesting, serious loneliness, you know, it's <laughs> serious, it's, it's sincere loneliness or, um, and yeah, so I just, I just thought of that as being one of, you know, the, the sources of suffering that, that people are going through at this time. So, um, the Aryas are the noble ones, the saints, those who have attained the fruits of path. That middle path that Tathagata is comprehended. Tathagata is here as the Buddha. Uh, uh, also Gotama, uh, which promotes sight and knowledge and which tends to peace, higher wisdom, enlighten, enlightenment, and nibbana. And for me, the, really, my desire with this practice is to tend to peace, is to be at ease. I have uh, sort of, a, I think, a higher level baseline anxiety that's constantly in my stream of consciousness. And I've always looked to Buddhism to, to help uh, that in some way. And so uh, that's kind of my focus. We, we talk about enlightenment and nibbana. And I'm just looking for just a little bit of ease and peace. Um, and so starting with the, the first noble truth in the Theravadan, it's called Dukkha. I don't know if you've heard that before. The op opposite of that is Sukha. Dukkha is suffering or um, as I understand it, it's a wagon wheel that's, that's off. So it's basically like rolling along, bouncing around, not, not in sync. Um, incapable of satisfying is an innate character characteristic of existence in the realm of samsara, which is rebirth. Um, and so this idea that there's something out there in our existence that's unsatisfying, um, and it's, it's this birthing. Um, and, and in Zen, it's beings are numberless, I vow to save them. So you, you can see how different these are. Um, in some ways, I still haven't completely understood the Zen part um, because in some ways I have to take care of myself before I can take care of anybody else. I've come across people that are always trying to take care of people but, um, but haven't taken care of themselves. So I just remind myself that you know beings are numberless and it includes me. If I'm going to be have the capacity to care for people and be kind, um, I've got to work on myself. And so, the, beginning with a story, it's a, it's about me when I first came to Zen Center and my daughters, Indigo and Dakota. Girls, if you're listening, I love you. Um, to the recording, and. Um, and at least with the first noble truth, it started out where we were having a great time. They came for the weekend. They stayed at the Zen Center. Uh, we we spent the weekend together. Um, 
And then they left. And I just remember as they left, uh, a birthing of wanting things to be different. Um, my youngest was off in college and I thought she should be closer. My oldest, you know, was, was in, the, in the South Bay down where I grew up. But there was just this birthing of wanting things to be different. And in my mind, I just put together a list of all the things that I thought would cure uh, the, the discomfort. And so, so I offer that as, 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 um, as an example of this birthing. So something's happening, something arises, and I'm off uh, in another stream of consciousness trying to fix it. And this, this idea of it's in, incapable of satisfying, there's some need, there's some desire, and instead of staying with it, I'm off trying to fix it. And so the second noble truth is um, the origin of arising of dukkha, which arises or comes together with a longing. And in that case, with my daughters driving away and there, there was a longing for things to be different. And, and I don't know if you felt this, but you know, I go through the day and there's all kinds of longing it might be. Uh, to be with a friend, it might be to be with somebody, it might be hunger. Um, and it's this idea of this uh, unsatisfying longing. Um, and I, I put in here, and, and I think Alex is going to share this document. It's, I don't know if you've seen this video with a gorilla, but basically they, uh, there's a video of people playing basketball, and they ask you to count how many times the they pass the basketball and then something happens in that video that very few people actually see. And I, I cite that as an example because the, this um, second noble truth happens so fast that it's very hard to see. Um, I think in meditation, we can become more expert in it. Um, but it's something that we're not conscious of. I'm not conscious of. Uh, otherwise, I'd be able to correct it. So I offer um, this video as a way to, re to remind yourself that things are constantly happening and that we may not be uh, aware of. So, and in Zen, delus delusions are exhaustible. I vow to end them. Um, just like uh, we don't see the gorilla, uh, it's, it's a lifelong journey. There, these things will constantly arise and it will constantly be practiced. Uh, in, in Zen, we vow to, to end them, which in, in my mind means we vow to try to meet each one. Uh, we do our best to see them arise. We do our best to, to, uh, to see it. So the th third noble truth in Theravadan is the cessation and ending of dukkha can be attained by the renouncement or letting go of longing. And renouncement is, you know, we can, we can say we're not gonna do something or, and the, the, the letting go 
um, to me seemed much more active than at least I'm capable of. There, for me, the letting go is more an awareness of it happening than uh, the ability to catch it. Uh, so that that letting go has always been a practice for me because uh, as an athlete, I just thought I could train hard and I'd be really good at letting go. <laughs> but the this the skills um for me are much more around an awareness of it happening than uh an active role uh, so cessation ending of dukkha can be attained by the renouncement or letting go of this longing and in zen it's dharma gates are boundless I vow to enter them. And I think at least with in this, with Zen, it's that the Dharma is boundless. It's, it's, it's spaciousness, it's patience. Um, it's, it requires that for me to be aware, to let go. Um, that a lot of times the constraining that happens uh, makes it almost impossible for me to let go, um, which is how I get caught. And so we had a good time. The girls were driving away. I wanted it to be different. And for whatever reason, Maybe it's because I'd been sitting meditation and I'd been at Sense Center. There was a pause. And then there was a sadness. And uh, and what I realized was that I was just sad. I was just wanting to change the situation. And what arose from that was all of the good times that we'd had. Um, picking up my daughters at dances and debriefing at Jack in the Box, or walking in to go to class, or the day she told me that she could just walk to school. She didn't need a walk. She didn't need me to walk her to class. And what I realized was that it was actually this, the suffering that was pointing me back to the joy. That, that the, the sadness, the grief can't actually exist without there have been some joy, ease, peace. Um, and and for me, at that point, that was there was a visceral connection to staying with things, and I'm I'm distracted all the time. I'm on my phone too much, and but but there is um, much more patience for me to stay with things, 
for what I used to consider suffering um, to be sort of my north arrow back to back to what's causing it. And and by definition, I I've never I really can't experience suffering having not felt some something that's that's completing it. And and so the fourth noble truth is the eight, the noble eightfold path. And I don't know if you've if you've studied this. Um, is the path leading to letting go of longing? It's cessation of dukkha. It's um, right speech. It's right livelihood. It's in my mind. It's putting together uh, the practice of kindness that there are it's interesting because when i when i realized the situation with my kids and seeing this sadness pointing back to joy there was a sense of it just made this up but emotional compost that that the turning of uh the sadness was actually like the turning of the season. And I think that the eight, uh, eightfold path allows us to create emotional compost that's compostable. It's not anger, it's not greed, it's not envy. Um, in, in a way, we're just, the trash doesn't go away it just gets put in our garden. <laughs> so, so when I put anger in my garden, my flowers come up with anger if they grow. Um, the vegetables come up with envy. And so, so the, the Noble Eightfold Path is, is giving us the, the, the workbook to create the, the compost to create a kind life, a peaceful life. And the suffering is pointing us back to what, what, what we need, what we want, what, what, what lights us up, what we thrive on. And I think that's different for everybody. Some people it's more connection, some people it's more deeper conversation, but um, I think that the, the suffering is, is our aspiration to what our heart's asking for. And the Noble Eightfold Path um, is giving us the tools to create that um, in an ongoing way. And, you know, and, um, and and from that deeper understanding of of what was important about me being a father and the experiences that I had has just deepened that connection uh, and and other ways as well. And mom's uh, uh, getting older and she's been in the hospital 
And the same thing happened with this. Instead of trying to fix her and find out what the doctor needs, and we've talked about, you know, what food she cooked when I was a kid. You know, we're bringing up these stories of of how we were connected. Um, and so, you know, the sadness of losing this person that's so instrumental to my happiness, uh, we're pointing back to those places um, that are important and that, um, yeah. And so, and in Zen, the Buddhist way is unsurpassable, which I didn't know meant supreme. I thought unsurpassable mean it's, you couldn't do it. So um, I vowed to become it. So again, it's a little mystic. It doesn't give you this <laughs> specific working tools like Theravada, but, um, but again, it's, it is the, the ground that we grow in. It is the, the life that we live in. Um, and so may we all vow to become that. May we all um, may we all appreciate the suffering that points us uh, to where we want to navigate our life. So thank you.